his flesh coming again to him is referring to his daughter. Hey, greetings. Welcome to the Mirror Scriptura podcast. Uh, we have another exciting episode for you today dealing with Naaman's flesh. This is one of the longer cycles, if not the longest. Uh, these episodes have actually been shorter than I anticipated. Uh, even the longer, the longer cycles, uh, you wouldn't guess that I've spent hours and hours and hours uh, mirror reading these and putting this get together over the last month and a half. Um, just to boil it down to some 20-minute episodes, but uh, I hope I hope you're liking them. I hope they're good 20-minute episodes. Uh, this one may be a little bit longer than 20 minutes, um, but we'll see. If you haven't already, be sure to uh, check out the introductory episodes as well as all of the other episodes, and also be sure to check out the corresponding blog post for this episode. In the blog post, I have mirror reading, mirror reading maps, which are a graphical representation of the uh, mirror reading that I've done. It will help you understand how I derived the uh, opposing narrative from the biblical narrative. And it also has uh, the commentary I've written and any citations that I might have to go along with it. So Naaman's, uh, the Naaman cycle, the primary concern is uh, now, we're, now we're dealing with Elisha instead of uh, Elijah. So hopefully I'll remember to say Elisha instead of Elijah. And uh, Elisha is going to have four cycles, whereas Elijah only had three. But the main concern for this cycle is uh, once again has to do with reputation. Uh, Elisha's reputation, the the author is trying to save that, and the different aspects of that will be uh, finding out what Naaman's flesh uh, refers to. In the biblical narrative, obviously it refers to Naaman's skin because he has leprosy. Uh, And in the opposing narrative, it refers to his daughter. And that's, that's really the big main concern there. Everything kind of centers around that. Uh, there's a couple other minor uh, aspects. So what nation was Elisha a prophet of? Obviously, the biblical narrative, narrative is going to say uh, Israel. And uh, I think I think Elisha was an Israelite, but he was a prophet for Syria. And the other aspect is uh, who was Elisha's Elohim, who was his God, and uh, biblical narrative is going to say that Yahweh was Elisha's God. And just a reminder that I'll be referring to the author of this uh, Elijah and Elisha narrative as M. Uh, That's the letter M, which is short for uh, the Miracle Workers, which is the the name of the source uh, that is uh, Tima Yore has named it, uh, who is over at BibleCriticism.com. I have to say, this is probably the most difficult cycle of the Elijah-Elisha narrative that I mere read. Uh, I went through... Uh, went through three different versions. It was pretty hard to figure out, but I I, I think I'm pretty happy with the end result, and uh, I hope you like it too. And if you were wondering what the hell mirror reading is, uh, listen to this, and I'll be right back. Mirror reading. 
reading is a method of interpreting the Bible and discovering the original authorial intent. By reflecting some of the text, mirror reading is able to reconstruct the opposing narratives or arguments that the biblical authors were responding to. Mirror Scriptura is dedicated to using this exciting method to bring new understanding to the biblical text. To learn more about mirror reading, please visit mirrorreading.com. Alrighty then, uh, let's go ahead and get into the text. We're going to be starting in uh, 2 Kings, this is uh, chapter 5. Now Naaman, captain, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him Yahweh had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. All right, so a few things starting off. Well, one, it says Syria. I think uh, literally it's uh, Ara Aramea. Uh, which is a subcategory of Syria. But I'm just going to use Syria here because that's what it's translated as in this uh, version that I'm reading. And the opposing narrative is going to uh, make Naaman out to be uh, a great man. Uh, and the biblical author, M, will uh, add just a little bit of text, just a little bit of text on each little aspect, uh, just to downplay some of that greatness. So it says captain of the host or commander of an army, but M is gonna add of the king of Syria. So in the opposing narrative, he was just commander of an army. It wasn't of the king of Syria. He was just uh, seen more as the, uh, actually, I think he was probably looked at as a king. Uh, Naaman himself was a, ki a king. Now, I do think king of Syria was a character in uh, the opposing narrative, but uh, he was an adversary to, to Naaman. And M is going to switch that around by making Na Naaman serve uh, the king of Syria. Now, the biblical narr narrative also says uh, that he was a great man, but then it's going to downplay that by saying, with his master, uh, again, referring to the king of Syria. And it says that uh, he was honorable. But again, it's going to downplay that by giving a reason for that as because Yahweh uh, had given deliverance unto Syria. So a great military character in Naaman, but it's only because of Yahweh. Uh, and then at the end, it, uh, the biblical narrative admits that uh, he was a mighty man of valor, but then just to downcut him a little bit, it will tack on, uh, but he was a leper. Now, Naaman's leprosy is um, kind of a central aspect to this narrative, and it's one of the biggest changes that M is going to make to the narrative, to the opposing narrative. Because in the opposing narrative, uh, when it refers to Naaman's flesh, it's going to be referring to his daughter. Uh, but with a biblical narrative, when it's uh, when it's referring to his flesh, it's going to be referring to Naaman's skin. Uh, and so this whole leprosy thing ties into that whole that whole aspect and it's one of the biggest things that uh m here really really stresses it's mentioned uh four or five times this leprosy really stressing the idea that uh you know naaman's flesh was referring to his skin because of his leprosy all right continuing and the syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of israel a little maid and she waited on naaman's wife 
Okay, so this uh, phrase here, little maid, literally, literally it's uh, little girl. Uh, I mean, it makes sense in this uh, context here, uh, but the context is making this little girl out to be uh, a maid, a servant, someone, a servant of Naaman uh, who waited on Naaman's wife. But in the opposing narrative, this little girl was Naaman's, uh, was Naaman's daughter, and obviously Naaman's wife is gonna be her mother. And in the opposing narrative, uh, Naaman's little girl, uh, Naaman's daughter, was taken captive uh, by the Syrians. But M is going to switch us all around, and uh, by making Naaman uh, serve, serve the Syrians, serve the uh, Syrian king, uh, it'll be the Syrians that take the uh, little girl captive out of the land of Israel. Now this solves another uh, issue for M, in that uh, Elisha was a prophet who was in Syria, and so by making this little girl uh, captive from the land of Israel, is she serves as a catalyst to get uh, to get um, Naaman out of Syria and over to Israel, so that he can talk to uh, Elisha. But in the opposing narrative, Elisha is in Syria, and so this uh, the story takes place in Syria. All right, continuing. Uh, she said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. All right, so this does uh, a couple things here. Uh, again, changing the relationship from uh, a mother to uh, a servant serving Naaman's wife. Uh, so having her call her, her mistress. And then, uh, so she suggests, uh, Naaman go to uh, Israel and M is you know specifically here states that that Elisha is a prophet in Samaria so it's not he's not in Syria as the opposing narrative would, would want us to believe and then M defines uh, the, the relationship between this little girl and Naaman by having uh, by having her call him master all right verse 4 and one went in and told his lord saying thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel again pointing out that the girl is is of the land of Israel uh, so obviously not uh, not Naaman's daughter as uh, the opposing narrative would say and the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. All right, so this is another element that's shared between the opposing narrative and the biblical narrative, and that is that a letter was sent. But in the opposing narrative, the letter is sent from the king of Syria to the uh, to the king of Israel, and this is another. Uh, this is one of the more frequent points that M is trying to make. He he mentions that the letter is is from the king of Syria to the king of Israel a few times, uh, stressing this point because it's one of the biggest changes of the narrative. But in the opposing, opposing narrative, uh, the letter was from King Assyria to Naaman. Uh, and this was to inform Naaman that he had taken his daughter captive. So now with the items that Naaman took with him, the silver and the gold and the, uh, and the clothing, this is going to take on a different meaning now because uh, he's going to be taking this, uh, which would seem to be uh, like a ransom, to pay the king of Syria to get his daughter back. Continuing. And he brought the letter to the king of, of Israel, again stressing that it's to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, uh, again coming unto thee, the king of Israel, behold, I have wherewith sent Naaman my servant, again stressing the idea that Naaman is a, uh, a subservient to the king of Syria, 
uh, sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Uh, so again, changing the whole uh, the whole idea of this of this letter, and Naaman's going to come to the king of Syria to get his leprosy healed. But in the opposing narrative, it's Naaman going to the king of Syria uh, to get his daughter back. And it came to pass when the king of Israel, again, the king of Israel, uh, not not Naaman, as the opposing narrative would say, uh, the king of, uh, of Israel had read the letter that he rent his, his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and, and to make alive? that this man doth send me to recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. Now, I propose this is a little bit of a time shift here, uh, because the this part of the story took place uh, when Naaman uh, got the received the letter from the king of Syria uh, a little bit earlier. So this this makes sense when uh, when Naaman receives the letter and, and tells him that king, the king of Syria has take has taken his daughter captive. That Naaman is the one that tears his clothing. And it's the Syrian king in the letter who's telling Naaman uh, that he's he's he has his daughter and he's the one that can kill or or to make alive or can also be tra- translated keep alive. Uh, so really, you know, th- I don't really wouldn't really call it a threat to Naaman, but really uh, saying that he has power uh, power over Naaman because he's basically holding his his daughter hostage. And then Naaman responds, "See how he, see how he, the king of Syria, seeketh a quarrel against me." So M is really just spinning that all around uh, by setting the letter from the king of Syria to the king of Israel, and so the king of Israel is going to respond, uh, you know, saying that the king of Syria is making a quarrel against him. All right, verse eight. And it was so. When Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had uh, rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? So, again, really stressing the idea of of who who tore their clothes. In the in M's narrative, it's the king of Israel. In opposing narrative, it's Naaman, and defining why he uh, why he tore his clothes uh, because because uh, the king of Syria wanted uh, the king of Israel to heal Naaman's leprosy. And so Elisha's going to calm the king of Israel down by saying basically that he can take care of it. Uh, Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet. Where? A prophet in Israel, not in Syria, as the opposing narrative would say. Uh, now, I, do, I want to mention one other thing earlier here. When it refers to uh, Elisha, uh, refers to him as the man of God or the man of Elohim. And so, this is a common this is a common term used of prophets, but it's not exclusively uh, used of prophets. And so, it seems that it's it's really used as more of a term of respect. And this term doesn't really show up too much in the Elijah narrative, uh, maybe once or twice, uh, but it shows up a lot in the Elisha narrative. And I think the M here is concerned more with Elisha's character. Uh, if he's seen as a traitor uh, to Israel, as you're going to see uh, in the next cycle more so, and this is why he's a prophet in, in, in Syria, even though he's an Israelite. Um, yeah, so he's... he's He's trying to make Elisha 
he's using this term of respect for Lashesh to make it seem like uh, he's a better character than than the original readers would have thought he was uh, if they were familiar familiar with the opposing narrative, because the opposing narrative is going to make Elisha out to be not such a great person, at least to an Israelite. But that raises another point, uh, and that I don't even think Elisha was originally in this cycle. Uh, I do think he is was part of the opposing narrative and the other Elisha cycles, but in, in this cycle, uh, the text uh, seems to suggest, in, in the mere reading, that Elisha wasn't even part of this uh, narrative originally, and that uh, Am is just injecting Elisha into this story, uh, but in the opposing narrative, it was just the king of Syria and, and Naaman. All right, continuing. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Uh, you know, this could indicate that, um, you know, the horses and the chariot kind of has a, a feeling that Naaman is really coming for battle. Uh, and this may make sense in the opposing narrative when he's he's coming to get his uh, daughter back uh, you know maybe having to go to war uh, to to get his daughter back or maybe even and I'm just thinking of this right now maybe even fighting the king of Syria himself you know kind of man to man which you know I think I'll talk about that a little bit later because it it really seems like there's a personal beef between these two uh, it's King of Syria and Naaman Uh, so you know I'm looking at that as a possibility as well all right verse 10 and Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying go and wash in in the Jordan River seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. All right, so in the opposing narrative, it's not Elisha who sends a messenger. It is uh, the king of Syria who sends a messenger to him. And he says, uh, he, he tells Naaman to go and wash, uh, not in the Jordan, but in uh, a river in Syria. Uh, why the king of Syria do, you know, wants Naaman to do this, uh, it's not really clear. Uh, it may be, uh, you know, a humility type thing, a subservient trying to get Naaman, uh, trying to show, you know, who's 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 the king of the castle here, and um, by ordering, you know, Naaman to do uh, something trivial like this uh, would really show that Naaman is yielding to the king of Syria. And as we'll see later, Naaman was really expecting uh, either with, you know, bringing the gold and silver, either to pay to get his daughter back or to uh, to battle the king of Syria. Uh, and and uh, M says, and thy flesh shall come again to thee. Well, in, in M's narrative, it's it's referring to his skin. It's his, his skin would return to normal. But in uh, the opposing narrative, it's referring to Naaman's daughter. So after he would go uh, go dip himself in the uh, Damascus River seven times and come back, then he would get his, his daughter back. His flesh uh, would return again to him. 
And then M's going to add at the end here, and thou shalt be clean to get you, again, putting the focus on the skin, uh, changing it from, from his daughter to his skin. All right, verse 11. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of Yahweh his Elohim and, and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. All right, so in the biblical narrative, uh, Naaman is upset because uh, Elisha doesn't come out and heal him. In the opposing narrative, however, he's upset because yeah, he's, he, he doesn't get his daughter back. It's, and he has to go do, do this silly thing, this uh, humiliating thing, really, uh, to go dip himself in the river and then come back and, uh, to get his daughter back. And this phrase here, uh, strike his hand or you know, raising his hand is, is often a, a, a phrase of hostility. And so Naaman you know, may have been expecting to do battle with the king of Syria to get his daughter back here. Uh, and then the other aspect here is, uh, it says Elisha's Elohim, Elohim is Yahweh. And that's, uh, that's one of the themes we see throughout the cycles here. Uh, who who is who is the God of, of Elijah and Elisha? All right, verse twelve. Are not uh, Abana and Far Farpar Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Uh, so again, changing the reason for his anger. Uh, in the opposing narrative, he goes away in rage because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do this. He, ex he expects uh, either to pay or to battle to get his daughter back, and M is is changing that all around to make it is an issue with his skin because uh, you know, M, M adds that it's all, you know washing and cleaning uh, really has to do uh, with healing his leprosy. And then again, we have that question technique taking the taking text from the. Uh, from the opposing narrative, which talked about rivers of Damascus, and then turning that into a question uh, in in the context of of M's narrative, uh, yeah, obviously that's not in uh, river of Damascus; it's the Jordan River. Uh, but in the opposing narrative, it was a river in Damascus. Okay, and his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid, had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? All right, so uh, Naaman expecting to have to do some great thing in the opposing narrative to get his daughter back. And Naaman's going to spin that around and uh, make this an issue of, of his skin and... Uh, you know, just having him go wash and be clean and be healed, and that explains uh, that explains all of uh, Naaman's anger and his his change of mind to go do it. Now, notice here that the term "my father" is used to address uh, Naaman by his servants, and uh, that's fine. That's perfectly fine in this context. It's not. Uh, I don't think it's unusual for a servant to use that term. But in the uh, in the context of the mirror reading, uh, where in the opposing narrative, it's is it's really dealing more with his daughter. Uh, I think I think she's the one that uh, says this to Naaman. You know, uh, my father, if if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? Uh, I think that makes sense in the opposing narrative uh, if, if she said it. And that would change Naaman's mind. Uh, 
uh, and he wants to get his daughter back. So he, he goes and do and does uh, what the king of Syria wants him to do, even though it's uh, humiliating. All right. Uh, then went he down and dipped himself seven times in, jo- in the Jordan River, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. All right here. Uh, so then he went down. That's um, this could be a spin by uh, M here. Uh, going down could be a, a term of humility. Uh, biblical authors uh, or scholars kind of recognize this too that there may be a play on words here, but uh, it's it's ambiguous. But uh, you know maybe he's something going down to the river. It works both ways. Uh, so in the in M's narrative, he dips himself seven times in the Jordan. In the opposing narrative, it's seven times in a river in Damascus. And again, uh, M is, Eli- is uh, injecting Elisha into this cycle. So uh, this is all according to the saying of the man of uh, Elohim. Uh, again, using that term of respect for Elisha. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. Uh, so this is this is a little bit of a time shift here. Uh, this is this is uh, so. Uh, you know, his flesh coming again to him is referring to his daughter, and the instead of like the like the flesh of a little child, it is the flesh of a little child because it's his daughter. Uh, but this isn't going to happen until after in the opposing narrative. This isn't going to happen. He doesn't get his daughter back until he returns to the king of Syria. It, it would seem. All right, verse fifteen, and he returned to the man of Elohim. Uh, again, term of respect for Elisha, and also inje- uh, and also injecting uh, Elisha into the, into this cycle. Uh, in the opposing narrative, it, Naaman returns to the king, king of Syria. Uh, he and all his company, and came and stood before him, and he said, "Behold, now I know that there is no god in all the earth, but in is but in Israel." Uh, now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of, the, of thy servant. But he said, As the Lord liveth, before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, this is all added by M. This isn't in the opposing narrative, um, because he, in the opposing narrative, he returns to the king uh, of Syria and not to Elisha. And so uh, M here is creating this conversation that took, that took place between Naaman and Elisha. Uh, and, and including an inter- interesting phrase here, uh, no, no God or no Elohim in all the earth but in Israel. This is a surprisingly monotheistic phrase pretty early in, um, in Israel's history here. Uh, but it, it, may, it, may, it may be tied in with the uh, term uh, man of God or man of Elohim that uh, M is using of Elisha. So he wants to make sure that uh, people don't think there's an Elohim in Syria because in the opposing narrative, Elisha is in Syria. Uh, so by calling Elisha a man of God and then saying there's no God in all of, earth, all of the earth but in Israel, then M kind of takes care of that issue. Uh, and then... Uh, 
Elisha says that Yahweh liveth. Uh, we've gone over this before. You can check that out in the uh, uh, the Brook Kareth cycle for that explanation. Before for whom I who whom I I stand. We've seen this before in regards to Elisha, uh, saying that uh, Yahweh is the one that Elisha served, not some Syrian god or whatever god there was. And then the narrative finishes with uh, verse 19. And he said unto him, go in peace. So he departed from him. And so in, in the biblical narrative, that this is Elisha saying that, but um, in the opposing narrative, it would be the king of Syria. Okay, so really interesting uh, narrative on this one. Uh, it, was, it was tough to figure out, but... Um, yeah, the, the everything, the whole the whole shift that uh, M is making to the narrative, the big the big change is really centers around that. Uh, what is what is the flesh of Naaman? What does that refer to? And uh, again, that imposing narrative that is Naaman's daughter, and in the uh, biblical narrative, that's his his skin and his issue with leprosy. So really interesting, really fascinating. I really like this uh, this cycle and this mirror reading for on this one. Um, even though it was tough, even though I had to work through it uh, three times to get uh, get something I was happy with, I, I'm I'm really happy with it. So. All right, uh, that is it for today. If you have any questions for me, be, f be sure to hit me up on Twitter. My handle is at Scriptura, uh, or you can contact, contact me through my website, which is mirrorreading.com. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a great day. We'll see you in the next episode.